activism in the area, and uh, I'm not. Zach's better to explain this. Like, what is <laughs> yeah, environmental so, justice? Yeah, so, well, so we wanted to focus on environmental justice. It's April. We got Earth Day. We got the Science uh, March coming up. We got the People's Climate March on April 29th. Basically, the environmental justice movement um, takes the kind of traditional environmental movement, which uh, is more stereotypically focuses on nature and man's impact conservation. on conservation, tree hugging, wildlife, tree hugging, if you will. Save the um, polar bears so they can drink more <laughs> Coke bottles. Yeah, it, exactly. <laughs> and uh, basically it puts the focus back on the vulnerable communities that are struggling for a safe, healthy, and uh, thriving community through uh, in a built environment. The environmental justice movement ensures that impacted communities are at the table uh, making decisions um, in order to ensure that solutions come from the ground up instead of the top down. Um, basically, a key tenet is that communities that are impacted by policy should be helping to make uh, and figure out these solutions. Uh, so, yeah. so for today, for this episode, we spoke with Jeremiah Lowry, yep. who is involved with uh, the People's Climate March, uh, as you can see from the excellent photo we have of him, taken <laughs> by someone. Uh, no, uh, so... Uh, Zach, you know Jeremiah pretty well, right? Yeah, so Jeremiah is kind of a guy who is around town. He's got his fingers in all kinds of pies. Um, so in addition to his work as a DC organizer for the Chesapeake Climate Action Network, CCAN, um, Jeremiah is also a political appointee for the DC Food Policy Council. Um, he sits on the board of the DC Sierra Club. Um, and he also joins me as a steering committee member for DC for Democracy. Um, so basically we sat outside on a beautiful April day with Jeremiah um, to talk about his work as an organizer for the People's Climate March and all of the other good work that he's doing. Um, he's a real busy dude, so we had a lot to talk about. Um, and I guess maybe that's another uh, thing we should say. We're trying a different format today. We're only doing one interview. Yeah, one interview. Just one interview. It's not that we're lazy. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not that David's lazy. Okay, okay. <laughs> so anyways, here's our conversation with Jeremiah. Hope you enjoy it. How, how do you describe environmental justice and what are kind of some of the core tenets that people who are maybe not familiar with it um, that they should keep in mind? Mm -hmm. um, absolutely. You know, environmental justice is really created out of the environmental movement um, because uh, activists saw a need to really uh, focus attention on the most marginalized uh, communities, um, you know, throughout the world, you know. Um, so oftentimes, like when we think of the, uh, in the past, when we thought of the environmental movement, we thought of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, folks recycling, you know, driving electric cars, um, composting, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but environmental justice um, really interjects um, to need to focus on, uh, you know, low-income communities, uh, mm -hmm. communities of color, uh, folks who are dealing with a lot of like environmental stresses on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. um, you know, from uh, the inner cities where uh, there are trash transfer stations to, uh, you know, you got situations in Flint right now, Michigan, with the lid in the water. Uh, these are environmental uh, justice issues because. Again, they uh, affect communities who uh, oftentimes um, uh, don't know that they hold a lot of power. And you know, a lot of elected officials and people in power tend to ignore them when it comes to environmentalism. Mm -hmm. so. But as you said, like when we think of the traditional environmental movement, it's people recycling, it's mm. uh, 
you know, marching to preserve wilderness. Mm -hmm. And environmental justice is kind of much more focused on people's relationship to their lived space, right? Absolutely. And how it impacts their life. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe, do, do you think that there is still a distinction between um, the traditional environmental movement and environmental justice activism, mm -hmm. or are they merging together? That's a good question. You know, I always say that I think uh, the environmental movement should be centered on justice, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it should be mm -hmm. centered on finding ways to ensure we have uh, a, a systemic change, transformational uh, change um, that really affects everybody, yeah. you know? Um, so we're not just like, um, you know, recycling as individuals, but we're creating you know, like these new uh, systems that allow um, uh, everyone to have access to renewable uh, material, mm -hmm. you know, um, combustible, uh, compostable uh, material. And so um, not just uh, looking at ways where, yeah. I know we got the, 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 the joys of the urban outdoors. The joys of the urban out outdoors. <laughs> um, you know, not just uh, looking, not just saying that, okay, well, you know, uh, me and my uh, friends are going to uh, cut our lights off more often mm -hmm. um, in the evening. We're looking at ways where we can have renewable energy sources, um, uh, you know, public utility systems that run on um, uh, wind and solar power to ensure that everyone's uh, energy costs are low and that everyone has access to renewable, uh, clean uh, energy. Um, and so I think, um, uh, I think uh, you know, the environmental movement should be, again, uh, centered on justice. Is it at that point? Um, I say we have some ways to go. Yeah. You know, um, you look at, uh, you know, the situation in Flint. You know, I don't think the environmentalists move fast enough. Um, you know, here in Washington, D.C., we had a lid in the water issue. Um, uh, some of our uh, schools, um, and as, as well as uh, we have a lid in the water issue in our public housing. Mm -hmm. uh, we have environmental groups, uh, local and national, I don't believe, are still acting fast enough to address these environmental injustices yeah. um, because they don't see the uh, uh, connection. But uh, we have to continue to uh, not just push um, the powers that be, but we oftentimes have to push um, our allies as well. Definitely. So. Well, so a little bit uh, later, I definitely want to come back around to um, kind of your, your background as a native Washingtonian. and. and and uh, how you got involved and interested in environmental justice um, issues, but b before we get there, you know, you're you're an active guy. You're you're, yeah. you're out all over the place. Um, you know, you do work with uh, the Sierra Club DC. Obviously, you work with uh, uh, Chesapeake Climate Action Network. You work with DC for Democracy, which we work together. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, and the DC Food Policy Council. And I want to try to talk about these different things because I think they're, they're a really good case in point in how environmental justice, again, as you say, puts justice at, at the forefront and kind of pulls a lot of these different struggles together. Um, so maybe can you, uh, for, first let's talk about your work with the Chesapeake Climate Action Network. Uh, so what is, what is CCAN? Uh, Chesapeake Climate Action Network, CCAN, uh, is an environmental uh, nonprofit organization that works in Maryland. Uh, Virginia and D.C., mm -hmm. uh, the Chesapeake region, obviously. Um, and, you know, they work on a whole host of uh, issues um, where they try to organize uh, to really ensure we're, um, you know, fighting against climate change and ensuring that we have a, a sustainable future uh, for everybody mm -hmm. um, in the region. Um, and hopefully using that uh, inspiration, those movements to really inspire people um, throughout the world. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, currently Chesapeake Climate Action uh, Network, uh, they just won a, a ban on fracking. Uh, they ran a campaign where they, they uh, banned fracking in Maryland. Um, they're running uh, campaigns to oppose pipelines uh, in Virginia. Uh, they even uh, have the, uh, you know, you look at the governor's race right now on the Democratic side, like uh, uh, that's one of the main issues um, that's being raised in the governor's race, you know. who In, in Virginia? In Virginia, or, yeah. yeah. Uh, who, who is uh, fighting the pipeline, who's going to be a, a strong opponent of the mm-hmm. pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and so CCAN is, is uh, uh, leading that fight out there in Virginia. In D.C., they're running a carbon fee. Uh, rebate campaign uh, where they're trying to uh, put a fee on the carbon emitted um, from um, our energy supplier Exelon uh, and then giving that fee um, in the form of um, uh, uh, checks or dividends to DC residents as well as using a small portion of that uh, to invest in uh, some other sustainable solution whether it's transportation or renewable energy mm-hmm. um, and it's a uh, Hopefully, it's a, a high enough fee where they really are pushing uh, Exelon to uh, understand it. It's, it's a lot cheaper to um, utilize uh, renewable energy mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, dirty energy. So. Yeah, and that seems like a perfect example of like a, a campaign that's focused on an environmental justice view of an environmental um, action. Right? It's not. It's not just about keeping the energy clean. It's about making uh, the energy we consume safer and better for the residents of the, the region. Absolutely. Great. So um, so what, what, is, what do you do with, with CCAN? How, how are you involved in these campaigns? Well, you know, I, um, I bug and harass council members. <laughs> you know, that seems to be a, a daily occurrence for me. Uh, but I, I do that by organizing organizations and organizing residents uh-huh. to harass and uh, bug uh, council members uh-huh. uh, to really push uh, this policy forward. Sure. And trying to get more ANC commissioners, trying to get more organizations on board to uh, shape the policy. Um, because as you know, uh, policy and legislation should come from the ground up. Uh, it shouldn't come from the top down. And you know, we want as many voices as possible um, within this campaign so they can, one, shape the bill, and, as well as push the bill forward. And so as an organizer, I try to get as many voices in as possible. So is there actual legislation at this point, or is it, are you still trying to build uh, kind of power behind it to get something introduced? Well, you know, we're looking at, we're uh, looking into writing a bill right now. Uh, we're drafting it. You know, we're getting input from our, our coalition partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting input from uh, experts. We're doing a study on how it affects D.C., mm-hmm. how it affects D.C.'s economy. You know, um, because one, we want to make sure we have a strong bill uh, for residents uh, and small businesses as well. Um, we also want a bill that actually does what it says it's going to do. Yeah. Uh, so right now we're conducting a study. Uh, once that's complete, we should be finalizing uh, the bill. And after that, it's just pushing it through. Do you have a particular council member or a group of council members that, that you work with most closely that you feel like are strong on this issue? Oh, well, you know, we work with, with, with Mary Che's office. Uh, you know, we've met with a number of council member, members so far. Uh, David Grosso seemed enthusiastic, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met with uh, Brianne. We met with staff members for uh, Robert White mm-hmm. um, and Treyon and Vince Gray. Uh, we're meeting with Charles Island on Friday. Uh, so we're, we're meeting with council members. We're generating some buzz. Um, but right now we have to get our ducks in order yeah. um, before we begin the process. So as I mentioned, your, um, 
You're also a political appointee with the DC Food Policy Council. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the Food Policy Council and uh, how it kind of relates to this broader environmental justice uh, framework for uh, activism? Absolutely. You know, um, the DC Food Policy Council was uh, formed um, uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, it was a bill that Mary Chay introduced to uh, create a uh, governmental body to oversee food policy for the district. Mm -hmm. um, you know, right now it's broken up into uh, different committees, uh, local business and labor development, uh, urban ag, uh, health and nutrition, um, as well as procurement. The mayor appoints 13 uh, council members, uh, food policy council members, and these council members oversee these different committees. And what these committees do is they work on legislation um, pertaining to their different, uh, you know, different subjects. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, you know, small business um, committee can work on like uh, any given time legislation to expand uh, cooperatives in DC. Procurement committee right now is working on a good food purchasing program, uh, which will change. Uh, the procurement process in DC to make it more sustainable for for businesses, uh, uh, for for labor, for the environment, for health, and for animals. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're looking at ways we could change the contracting process for procurement. Um, it goes. Uh, I think I like I like the Food Policy Council because uh, you know it uh, in a in a broader sense it encompasses every single thing uh, when you think of uh, what needs to be improved in the city mm -hmm. uh, from. Uh, more small businesses to ensuring that we have uh, collective bargaining uh, for our workers, ensuring that uh, we're environmental stewards uh, when we're looking at food policy, mm -hmm. uh, ensuring that even like you know we have animal welfare uh, folks involved, right? Ensuring mm -hmm. that uh, uh, you know we get better in that area, um, as well as like the whole uh, uh, urban gardening, access to green space, mm -hmm. um, and uh, becoming a more sustainable city by having more local. Uh, 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 resources for food, as well as um, uh, ensuring that uh, we don't like waste food and stuff like that. So, yeah. and it's, it's you know, food policy is not necessarily the, the sexiest issue, but it's so foundational and mm -hmm. almost uh, you know, it's one of those things that if it's working, you don't think about it, right? Yeah, it's, it's kind of there in the background and really, really important. So that's yeah. it's really important work. song was dissolved by Oberis. If you'd like that, please check out our show notes for links to Oberis's Bandcamp and social media pages. Now, back to Jeremiah and Zach. So I recently joined you with uh, DC for Democracy, uh, but you've been involved with the group for a really long time and you, you currently serve as the ombudsman. Mm -hmm. um, 
for our listeners who aren't aren't familiar with with DC for D, uh, what what is that group and and what is your role as as ombudsman? I find that really interesting. <laughs> as ombudsman, <laughs> I, well, I don't use, I don't I don't I don't use role very often. Luckily, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, ombudsman, uh, the person that uh, handles disputes mm -hmm. uh, amongst um, you know members. Yeah. Uh, so so you're the you're the referee. You're pretty much pretty much. <laughs> Someone's like, well, I don't like the way DC for D did this, so I don't like this process. Uh -huh. And Buzzman tries to figure out a situation where we can handle it internally. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and so again, luckily, I don't use my uh, I don't use that hat very often. <laughs> so, but so you've been involved with uh, DC for Democracy for for a long time, and it's yeah. Um, can you maybe just uh, talk a little bit about? How you got involved and why why it's important for you as as somebody who's decided to maintain that um, engagement with the group for uh, a decade at this point. Yeah, you know, DC for Democracy is by far my favorite um, uh, organization in Washington D.C. right now, um, and it has been for a while. As you can see, the reason why I stuck around for very yeah. very long. Um, uh, you know, for me, um, you know, the reason why I got started in DC for D, um, because it's one of the rare all-volunteer uh, groups in DC. Yeah. Um, there are no uh, paid positions. Um, there's not a lot of, um, uh, you know, pressure uh, within the organization. Mm -hmm. It's just um, a lot of progressives coming together. Uh, working on progressive issues mm -hmm. um, and supporting progressive candidates. Yeah. Um, DC for D doesn't have any, um, you know, right now DC for D uh, doesn't have any uh, hit interests, um, doesn't have any hidden agendas. The organization, you know, uh, again, is just the progressives who support progressive things and progressive uh, people. Yeah. So. Cool. Um, okay, so now I, I kind of want to come back to your, your background, something we try to do with the podcast is not just um, connect listeners to kind of the ideas um, that we hope will shape their uh, view of the community, but also kind of tell some of the, the stories of the activists and organizers and what kind of brought you to where you are, to your awareness, analysis, and, and ultimately action in the community. Um, so I know that you're a, a native Washingtonian and that you've been involved in political organizing for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I, I was just wondering um, how your background in, influenced your um, interests or ability to, to organize um, locally here in DC. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 um, it's my background, but I would say, you know, it's, it's more so my uh, political philosophy. Mm. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, folks uh, talking to their neighbors um, first. Um, if they want to uh, see change in yeah. the world, you know, uh, talking to their community members, going to the barbecues, going to the local um, meetups, mm -hmm. um, and it begins to having those one-on-one conversations. Begins to having those one-on-one conversations with your neighbors um, about these, uh, you know, amazing progressive ideas. You know, mm -hmm. oftentimes um, we go straight to to Guatemala. Russia, South Africa, and say, okay, well, I want to change the world globally, right? Mm -hmm. And then we come home, and we don't even know the person living next to us, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's how uh, change happens, you know? And I think that's, I think change happens again uh, with 
uh, speaking to your neighbors and then uh, making change on the local level. Mm -hmm. um, so my political philosophy is um, you create the, the structures you seek uh, within your communities, within your, your, your local um, neighborhoods, and then you hope to uh, really inspire the world and push the movement forward, mm -hmm. um, starting with your own uh, neighborhood. Mm -hmm. you know? And so what, um, what led you to um, get interested or to, to embrace like environmental justice in particular as kind of a mobilizing force for you? Um, mm -hmm. what, what is it that kind of brought you into the environmental justice world? Well, you know, again, like environmental justice and food justice is, is one of those things that um, is, is, is very broad and it, it includes everything, you know, it includes ensuring, you know, that we have uh, cooperative, sustainable businesses, mm -hmm. that we have uh, collective bargaining and worker ownership, uh, that overall we have a, a sustainable uh, city and planet, mm -hmm. you know. If you look at one of those areas to where you can really build up a movement and really change things, you have to talk about the environment, yeah. you know? Um, and once you start to think uh, in those terms, you think, okay, well, um, from the environment, I can really, we can really build sustainability all around, you know? Mm -hmm. Jobs, mm -hmm. clean energy jobs, and uh, healthy foods, and clean air, and clean water. Um, that right there is like this world that we seek, you know, mm -hmm. and it starts with the environment, so. How, how did you learn um, about the tools and skills of organizing? Like, what was your process for uh, becoming an organizer? Well, let me say, I'm still organized. I'm still learning. Still learning. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I'm still learning the tools of organizing, man. Like, it's, uh, it's a blessing to be able to, to organize in the, in the Washington region where, you know, where I'm from and mm -hmm. uh, grew up. Um, so, and I'm, I'm still learning and I'm still growing and um, for me I think uh, organizing is just like uh, it's an art form you know yeah um, and so it's it's like my my artistic uh, expression um, to deal with uh, the, the, the the daily uh, stressors that, that that we're all uh, facing mm -hmm. in order to eliminate those stressors right mm -hmm. Um, and so I learned organizing just through, um, just to just to being out in the community and, and talking to people and understanding what uh, their issues are, and then talking to someone else and saying, okay, well, they have the same issues too. And then like realizing that like if you put two and two together, they can talk to this council member and have more power. Yeah, I think that's in the very simplest forms. <laughs> learn organizing. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so kind of to that point, what what do you think are the most pressing issues facing the district, as, especially as somebody who uh, has lived here pretty much your whole life, who mm -hmm. has seen some of the changing economic and uh, yeah. demographics, um, the way that the city has um, grown in, in certain ways and push some people out and others, like what, what do you think are the most important um, issues facing the district today? Well, I always say, you know, the number one environmental justice issue in Washington, D.C. is the lack of affordable housing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, th that's, that's the case. I think affordable housing is the most pressing issue in Washington, D.C. It's also environmental 
uh, justice issue as well. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if people don't have access to land, um, if people don't have uh, the ability to be in their home and uh, have a safe environment free of, uh, of mold, free of like mildew mm -hmm. um, uh, and pests um, that bring diseases, um, then the rest of their lives isn't going to be stable and they're not going to be uh, living in the city at all. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think affordable housing is, is again, the most pressing issue uh, facing Washington, D.C. residents. So. Great. Um, so kind of the, the last topic I wanted to turn to is the, the People's Climate March. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that you've been involved in, in helping to organize um, the event and hope this podcast will be out before. So we're hoping uh, to give you a little boost. But if you want to just go ahead and tell us a little bit about um, the, the People's Climate March what you guys are marching for, um, and how to get involved. Absolutely. Um, the People's Climate March, uh, you know, it was a march. Last time it was a march. Uh, I guess I'll sum it up in a way where, you know, last time it was in New York where they had about um, uh, almost 400,000 people. And when was last time? I believe it was 2014. Okay. Um, and it was in New York City, and 400,000 people marched. Um, because they wanted the government to, it was around the Paris Agreement, they wanted the government mm -hmm. to act on uh, climate. They wanted the world to see that we need to act on uh, climate change. Um, and so now we're back around to this point where we have an administration right now, a, a United States uh, president, um, you know, that says uh, climate change is a hoax committed by the Chinese, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, that, uh, you know, we have an EPA administ administrator who is um, rolling back so many different regulations when it comes to environmental protections. Who has sued yeah. the EPA like dozens of times. Dozens of times. <laughs> uh, who uh, says, you know, when anything related to science, he always says it's up in the air. Yeah. You know, uh, who says that pesticides that have been proven to not be safe are now safe. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so as you can see, uh, we have a lot to march for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it goes without saying. Uh, the people, climate's march for jobs um, and climate. Um, it's a march for to really push uh, the administration um, to say, hey, we need, uh, uh, you know, good, good jobs, good environmental jobs. Um, we also need a... Um, a, a way to deal with climate change and they also need, in general, like we need environmental justice, clean, uh, clean, sustainable environments for, for everybody. Um, it's not just to push the administration, but also to push and show the world that we're still here. Mm -hmm. you know, we've, been taking a lot of, we've been taking a lot of different punches, yeah. you know? Um, and, uh, you know, it seems as though things are pretty bleak, but uh, it really showed that the movement is still strong. Mm. And then let's get back in those. Let's get back in our communities. Let's get back to talking to our neighbors. Let's get back to organizing. This isn't over. We had a, a setback, but got to keep going forward. So yeah. And so will there be who who is actually organizing the People's Climate March? Like who who is behind it, um, and how did that group kind of come together? Uh, so right now, you know, um, it's being led by unions, SEIU's at the table. Uh, it's led by environmental justice groups. You have indigenous groups who are uh, 
uh, at the table. You have uh, local organizations at the table. You got like, DC Sierra Club. You got um, 350.org um, mm -hmm. uh, at the table. You have uh, tons of environmental groups mm -hmm. um, at the table. And, uh, they came together because they just thought the time was now. You know, yeah. uh, they realized uh, they were planning for the march um, last year. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't really account for this administration coming in. You know, they were really thinking they were going to push um, the Democratic nominee, yeah. uh, saying, "Hey, like continue the progress of mm -hmm. uh, the Barack Obama administration." But unfortunately, they had now to switch it up. <laughs> it's uh, as much defense as offense now. <laughs> as much defense as offense. Yeah. Um, and so now it's, it's become even more vital. Um, and so all these different groups are coming uh, together on mm -hmm. April 29th. Um, third in Pennsylvania, Northwest. Third in Pennsylvania. Um, at 12 o'clock is when the march kicks off. 12 noon? 12 noon. Great. Um, so just last, last question. Uh, so what advice do you have to our listeners who are trying to figure out how to get involved um, here locally in D.C.? Somebody who maybe has participated in a march but hasn't actually connected with any organization or somebody just trying to figure themselves out. Well, do you have any, any solid advice? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I guess the first bit of advice I would give is uh, uh, join an organization mm -hmm. um, uh, that you like, you know. Uh, I joined the DC Sierra Club. Um, I encourage folks to uh, look it up and go to the meetings. Um, if they like it, definitely become a member. I'm a member of the DC Food Policy Council. The DC Food Policy Council, um, uh, all the committee uh, committee meetings are open to DC residents. So DC residents are very much a part, of, can be very much a part of the DC Food Policy Council. Mm -hmm. Actually, shaping legislation, helping write legislation, uh, helping write policy, helping write, uh, helping do the organizing um, mm -hmm. on the ground. Um, so the DC Food Policy Council can be yours. You can take ownership of it. I encourage folks to get involved in the DC Food Policy Council if they like that. I encourage folks to get involved with DC for Democracy, uh, too. Uh, you know, come out to a DC for Democracy meeting. If you like it, uh, we would love for you to become a member, you know? We got monthly meetups. Monthly <laughs> meetups, yep. Monthly meetups, uh, second Wednesday. Uh, it's in different locations right now, so I'm not going to say locations. <laughs> second, second Wednesday, uh, you know, 6.30. Uh, come out to uh, a DC for Democracy meeting. Uh, definitely uh, look up the organization. Uh, you know, DC for Democracy isn't your... Uh, tip is in a, wouldn't consider itself an environmental organization, um, but they support initiatives um, like public financing, um, which are directly connected to uh, the environment because it gives uh, environmentalists more of an opportunity to uh, run for office, right? So DC, DC stands for these different uh, issues. And so I definitely encourage folks to uh, get involved with DC for Democracy. Um, and if, you know, your organization just doesn't suit you, begin talking to your neighbors. You know, begin talking to your neighbors. Um, if you can, show up to your uh, ANC meetings. Mm -hmm. um, you know what's going on in your community better than anyone else. You know? Yep. Um, you know if the government is uprooting the trees in your neighborhood uh, without getting any feedback from mm -hmm. your neighbors. You know if your pond is polluted or if the government just puts a new uh, dumping ground right um, beside uh, your park that children play at, you know that. Um, and so, you know, begin to talk to your neighbors about it. See if they're pissed off about it. And then, you know, the littlest you can do is, uh, you know, send emails or write letters um, to your council member and let them know that um, you are not satisfied. A lot of times they don't hear from you. And so they, they usually hear from big money, though, big mm -hmm. money and interest, who say, okay, mm -hmm. well, 
neighbors don't care about this park. Let's take it. You know, <laughs> neighbors don't care about these trees. Let's uproot them. Mm-hmm. So um, talk to your neighbors um, and protect protect your neighborhood environment. You know, because that begins a process of protecting the world. All right. So that was uh, our interview with Jeremiah. Uh, so to wrap up the show today. Uh, our main call to action is go to the People's Climate March on April 29th. Get in the streets. Yeah. It's it's more fun than anything else you get to do in politics. Yep. You get to go and walk in the street, which you're not allowed to do normally, and you get to <laughs> yell at stuff, and no one thinks that's and weird. And you get to make friends. You make friends. And great people watching at the People's great Climate people March. Watching. It's a lot of fun. Sign watching. A lot of fun signs. A lot of fun sign watching. And you uh, can build that community. And, once, and after the march... Yeah, but this engaged. is what's most important. Yeah. It go can't to the march. end there. Yeah, go, don't don't just go to the march and be like, oh, we did it. Like, no, it, it, the march is going to be great, but we're not going to, like, the march itself isn't enough. You got to stay engaged. You got to keep talking to people. You got to go pester people. You know, you got to pester your elected officials, whatever government, local government officials who, are, who have power over these issues. Mm-hmm. They need to know that people are concerned because otherwise, if they don't know, nothing's going to happen. Well, and most importantly, don't feel like you have to take it all on your shoulders. Find a group that aligns with your values mm-hmm. and join. Yes. Show up to the, to the first meeting. See if you know anybody there uh, and just make it a part of your habit. Make it a part of your routine. And um, something that I think is you know, important to me as someone who's from the, from the DMV is that, uh, you know, Fairfax County, where I grew up, is great. Like, you got great schools. You never worry about you never worry about what's in the tap water. You just drink it. You know, you're not worried about a lot of these things. But you you drive. You know, it's not that far from Fairfax County to Anacostia in Southeast DC, where these communities are concerned about a lot of these things. And you know, it's we if we really want to help them, we really need to listen to them because they're the ones who understand what their problems are. We need to listen to them and we need to support them for the solutions that they believe will help them. So, so yeah, so, and, and most importantly, as Jeremiah said, talk to your neighbors. Yeah, Find out what's neighbors. going on in your community, um, and be sure that you are connected to the people around you. Um, that's the most important way to make a difference, is just to realize that you aren't on your own, that we're, we're all in this together. And in, in D.C., just like everywhere else, there are a million different ways to get involved and a million different things worth getting involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, as Jeremiah pointed out, the most important environmental justice issue in D.C. is affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, a, plenty of groups that are fighting the good fight on affordable housing, and we'll include some in our show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so finally, as we, as we do, we want to wrap up with some thank yous. Uh, thank you to Corey Benevente for our dope theme music. Thank you to New Palm Chakravarti for our uh, logo. logo and all his wonderful design wizardry. Uh, thanks for Jeremiah. Thanks to Jeremiah for agreeing to talk to us. And thanks to our musical guests for breaking up um, the show. And yeah. Well, finally, thank you to you for listening. And then going to the march this on far Saturday. And going to the march because on Saturday. Because even though we're talking before the march, I already know you're you going know to what? be You there. know what I just realized? We never said in this closing segment, the power is yours. April. <laughs> Is yours!